Last week we had the uh, chance to have uh, some people up here to exemplify the mind and then the spirit and the flesh. And I'm looking down here and they're, they're all gone. <laughs> Bob, did I scare you that bad having you up here? Dave and Val, they're gone. I, oh, well. So Brad, Ingrid, Marie, I guess we'll use you guys today. <laughs> I won't do that. I won't do that. If somebody come up and said, I always wondered what the flesh looked like. <laughs> and it was Dave all the way. You know, the other examples in the scriptures of the flesh are old man, you know, and all of these other carnal and enmity against God, all of these terms exemplified in Dave single. It's just, just great. Well, hopefully that illustration did help you to understand that we have a battle going on, and there's a battle inside of us. The moment we trusted Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God has entered inside of us, and that our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is inside of us. Now that we have the Spirit, He is able to strengthen and empower us to be able to serve God. Apart from the Spirit, we cannot truly love or serve God in any capacity because the flesh in and of itself is not what glorifies God. So God transforms us and our mind, it is made that it chooses, the mind has a will to choose God. Somebody one time asked me the question, why is it that God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden in the first place? Wouldn't he have saved us a lot of problems if he wouldn't have put it there? Uh, You know, it would be nice if, you know, there would have been nothing there showing uh, evil. And uh, sure enough, God said, well, listen, you are free. You are free to eat of anything you want. It's all yours. You're in control. You get to govern. Everything's great. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Simple, simple instructions. But of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, don't touch it. You stay away. Don't eat of it because the day you do, you're going to die. Sure enough, man has a will to choose. And that day, man chose wrong. And the effects are, of course, sin in the world. And to this very day, you and I, as Christians, have choices to make. And what we're doing in our minds is reasoning. What are we going to do? And, of course, the the spirit now that has entered inside of us constantly wants you and I to do the right thing. The Spirit of God will never, ever lead you astray. The Spirit of God will never lead you into something that is going to be harmful, hurtful towards you, or would go against the cause of God. He is always moving you to do what's right. On the flip side, the old man, the old nature, the sinful nature that we still have is always enticing us to do what's wrong. Now remember, the temptation itself does not come from God. God is not tempted, neither tempteth he any man, but we are tempted when we are drawn away by our own lusts, those wrong desires that come from the old man. So this is the battle that you and I are in as Christians. By the way, it isn't over till we die. I hate to tell you that, 
uh, I was talking to one man. At that time, he was about 82 years old. And here I thought, all my Christian life, you know, you kind of get to that age and you don't have any trials and temptations and testings anymore. Boy, did he open my eyes up. It isn't over. It isn't over until we finally release, if you will, the very last thing, and that's our health. And we finally go through that struggling and holding on and to realize, guess what, we're ready for glory. And not to be bitter, but to have the right attitude, even at the end of our lives. And there are those who have done such a great job at that, I've seen, and I've witnessed, as they witnessed, to the very, very end. See, every one of us will be in temptation and testings, and I've said this before, they always kind of imagine that preachers have these little pills that God gives them called anti-temptation pills, these little yellow pills that we take every day and we don't go through it wrong. It isn't that way. Such as is common to man. Even our Lord yielded himself to come as the son of man to go through the testings and temptations as you and I do, as we know, without sin. And we learn as he was battling with the old flesh, that which is tearing down, and Satan comes up, aren't you hungry by now, Jesus? Surely there's something you like. Why don't you just take these stones, kind of that figure of, of, uh, of a bread, and why don't you just say, be bread, and then eat it. Why, why don't you just, what's the harm in that? And Jesus quoting says, man is not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And there is a nourishment that comes from the feeding of the word he's trying to teach you and I, and that is that we need fed by spiritual things. Bread comes and goes. It, it takes care of you for a little time, but it is all temporary. That's why Jesus described, it is not what comes into man as you eat that is going to defile you. Because guess what? It's temporary. But that which is eternal, the things that are really going to show you what's going on in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. The condemnations. And so sure enough, Christ is trying to say, it is temporary versus the things that are eternal. Now, in our text today, there are some words that we learn, and that is about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is still in the same text of learning how to walk in the Spirit. And that's where we're heading to today. You know, preacher says, okay, we have this battle going on, or I should say, scriptures say we have this battle going on. And the thing is, how, how do we actually incorporate this walking in the Spirit? In other words, we could say, walk in the Spirit. Now, you better walk in the Spirit, I'm telling you. Walk in the Spirit, and you may be like, I'd like to, but what do you, how, how does this happen? Well, what you're going to learn here in this text is that this is the fruit of the Spirit. On the other side is the works of the flesh. Now, something that is works means that you and I are trying to do or to accomplish something in the flesh. Now, I wish I had time that I don't have, but in Romans chapter 7 he describes some of this very same battle. He says that in my flesh dwells no good thing. That's the text where Paul talks about the struggle that he has in the flesh. The good things that he would do, he doesn't do. Those bad things, I'll never do them as a Christian, find myself doing. That's that battle that he talks about. He says, it is not me, but sin that dwells within me. So, so much for the eradication of the sinful nature when you get saved. Okay? 
We still have the old nature. It is that God has given us, according to 1 Peter, the divine nature now. So it's, we have two natures, Christians. And that's why we're in the middle with the mind choosing. So the old man is trying to tear us down by what we do. And that's why he uses the flesh, is that which we do, we try to accomplish, okay? But what ends up happening is the old man, in its works, ends up coming out to be things like adulteries and fornications, the lasciviousness, the witchcrafts, the, the divisions, the strife, the fighting, and everything. That comes from the old man, the flesh. Now, this is going to help you to understand your mother-in-law. That's a joke. I was just seeing if you were with me here yet today, okay? I just want to make sure. That's my only mother-in-law joke for today, okay? But this will help you to understand people that are not Christians. The only thing they have is what they do. I remember as a non-believer, there were no limits in my mind except for if it was socially accepted or not. If people would look at me and say, oh, that's pretty cool. I don't care if you do that. Then I'm like, okay, good. I can do that. And if, if society would frown upon it, I might do it, but I'd do it secretly. And all that I had was my own conscience to allow me or disallow me from doing things. I had no governing agent because I didn't have God inside of me. And so um, the drinking and the, the running and doing the wrong things came very, very natural to me. And there was nobody that cared. You stay up till 3, 4 in the morning getting drunk. So, you know, it's no big deal. Just don't get caught. Just don't get a DUI. Don't get in an accident. Don't do anything bad. And it's okay. And then I got saved. And all of a sudden, now the Spirit of God's inside of me. He's like, what are you doing wrecking your life like this? You're, braining, you're burning your brain up. You're hurting your own life. You can't, you can't produce. You can't do things right. And I became convicted because the Spirit of God came inside of me now. Now, right now, you may be saying, oh, yeah, I, I definitely don't want to ruin my life. And I don't want to become an alcoholic laying on the street and don't have a job, etc. You know, I don't want to go to that. There again, that's social structure. That's socially accepted or not. We're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about what God wants in you as a Christian to glorify him. That's the Christian's governing agent. Whether therefore I eat or drink or whatsoever I do to all to the glory of God. That's developing Christians for Christ. That our lives glorify him. This works of the flesh, you know, even, i got to say again, a little time this morning. Romans chapter 11, verse 6, tells us about how the works is in opposition to grace. Grace is God-giving that we can do. Works is I try to stimulate inside of me the ability to do it. And that's why we fail. Because it's the works... Of me, my flesh. On the other side, what we're learning about today is walking in the Spirit is going to produce then the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is what is not by nature in man, but is by nature in the Holy Spirit. 
You say, I know unsaved people that love and they have happiness and peace and they suffer along with certain situations. I totally understand that. I totally understand where you're coming from. I've met very humble people, people that that are on great self-control. You know, they didn't go in with the urges and go along with the crowd. They looked out for what was best. And I totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm not trying to be uh, uh, misunderstanding to that. But there is a difference between that which the Spirit of God does, now follow me, which is miraculous inside the lost person that brings out a love not just for mankind, but an understanding of the love of God and the love for mankind. There's a different kind of love. You know, the Valentine, you know, you got this little naked baby with a heart, or with an arrow, bone arrow, tink, and we think that's what, you know, love is. Oh, oh it hits me in the heart. Oh, I feel so good. Oh, it's, it's so, he's so handsome. He's, ah. You know, like goo goo gaga. Yeah. Young men, big muscles, full head of hair, get fat, and they lose their hair. <laughs> Are you following me? We change. And if the infatuation is what governs love, then marriages will end up in every two to five years changing spouses then. And the older will try to find the younger. You following me? Okay? That's what's going on. There's actually terms for this nowadays. Okay? And so this, this, this cycle of always trying to go back to the younger and to the best is not really what love's about. Um... When we, when we think about love, it endures, right? When we think about love, it's 1 Corinthians 13 principle that endures all things. It bears all things. And it never fails. And whether we change physically, the love for our spouse and our children doesn't. It's always the same. That's what we're talking about. That kind of love comes from the Spirit of God, not from the flesh. Because the flesh doesn't understand love. The flesh... The, the, the flesh is, is kind of contaminated and distorted in the way it thinks of, of love. So, fruit versus works. It is law, flesh, works. But the fruit comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And that is what His character is. It is His nature, God's nature inside of you. See, the Spirit of God in this walk in the Spirit wants to reproduce Himself in you. In other words, it is not ours to stimulate inside of us through the flesh that which is pleasing to God. It is a gift from God, from His nature to ours to transform us. And Spirit of God wants to reproduce what He is inside of you. The Spirit of God creates a freedom and a liberty that takes us away from the works of the law. He now creates us a choice in love, a choice to have this fruit of joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, tempers. That is the Spirit of God's character. And He creates that as God Himself inside of us. And this fruit that comes out in our lives, <laughs> excuse me, is something that is going to be then seen outwardly by others. For instance, a couple different times God talks about what love does. A couple different places. And the key is this, that love, he tells us, 
covers the multitude of sins. Okay, now follow me. Love that comes from the Spirit, that comes from God, covers the multitude of sins. Now, we can see how Jesus and God's love for the world covered, if you will, the atonement for the sins of the whole world. That's God's way of loving. But it is our love that we have now because of the Spirit giving it to us that we are now capable of forgiving or covering up, hiding multiple sins that have been done. Illustration. It always intrigues me when I talk to people going through, for instance, a divorce, how as I watch one individual that the spouse has done them wrong and they go to friend, to person, to friend, and they start going to all the multitudes telling everybody about what their spouse had done to them. Let me ask you a question. Why do they do that? Think about it. I just want you to think about this. It's almost like, look how bad I've had it. Isn't this justified in what I am doing? Can't you get on my side because of how rotten this spouse is over there? Do you know what that person has just revealed to you? They don't love the spouse the way they should. Because if they truly love them, they would not reveal but conceal. What does it matter whether they know it or not? The answer is it doesn't matter. It changes nothing. And all of a sudden you look and evaluate the situation, it's just like something's amiss here. Because if they really love them, they may be trying to get back, try to create forgiveness and restoration first, instead of exposing, can you believe he had an affair with that person? Can you believe I caught him doing this or this? Instead, what you do is try to reconcile. And what you've just proved is you don't love your spouse as your spouse has proved they don't love you. See, this what we're talking about is God's kind of love. And it goes totally against the world's. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you conceal, folks, I'm telling you right now, I could talk to you of multiple people in this auditorium right now that understand that kind of love because you never knew what went wrong in their home. And they proved to me they loved. And I'm trying to teach you. Love, it comes from the Spirit of God to do something that is going to work for the glory of God, not the glory of self. And that's why in this text, the old man has to die. That we have crucified the flesh instead of allowing it to be alive and well. This work of the flesh opposes. I've tried my best, and it's kind of hard to get exactly word for word, but in the list of the works of the flesh, you will see its opposite in the fruit of the Spirit. Because God wants to have love, and the works of the flesh are hatred. And you can go through on your own and look at the opposites that what God is trying to do versus what the, uh, the flesh is trying to get accomplished. And so what the Lord wants to do is this. Now follow me. This is where we're going to get into it. The Spirit wants to fill you. 
The Spirit wants to fill you as a Christian. Now, follow me. That does not mean that you do not have the Spirit of God. You absolutely do. The moment you trusted Christ as Savior, you became the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ is in you. Absolutely, He's there. You got them all. But do you have the filling of the Spirit of God? That's the issue. If we are going to walk in the Spirit, then what has to happen is we must be filled by the Spirit of God. Now, you would expect the pastor, as he prepares the message and as he delivers the message, to be yielded or filled with the Spirit of God. I agree. Every Sunday school teacher, every musician, choir, everybody must have a yielded spirit to God controlling them to use them for his purpose that the attention would not go on the individual filled with the spirit. And so we would expect that. But guess what? Guess what God also expects? He, he expects every wife and husband and child and student and worker, wherever you are at, to be filled with the Spirit. You say, what's the verse for it? Let's go to Ephesians. And chapter number 5, verse number 18. Ephesians 5, 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but... Be filled with the Spirit. The tense here is continually be being filled by the Spirit. As though there could be a time in our life as Christians that we're not yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. It's just like, that sounds nice, but I got my own thing going on here, Lord. I have my own will. I have my own agenda here going on, and you're not going to get in my way. Well, guess what? You're not filled with the Spirit. You're not yielded to what the Spirit of God is trying to do. He is trying to always stimulate truth um, and the fruit inside of you. So, business meeting comes along. All of a sudden, there's a heated matter that's going on. People are disagreeing. You know, it's going one way or another. Now, there's, there's the flesh that is going to want you to stand up and poke in the nose that person that's opposing you. You're going to stand up and you're going to want to scream and yell and you're going to want to be out of control. Show just how important this is to you and how angry you can be about this. And that's what the flesh wants to do. Okay? Now the spirit over here is saying, patience, my friend. Endurance. Speak the truth but speak the truth in love. Go ahead and share, but don't poke the guy in the nose. Because if you show that kind of anger, that's not coming from me. That's coming from the flesh. And that's showing that you got the wrong heart attitude, man. So when we have the temperance, the self-control, we are able to have those issues that we might in the flesh be ready to fight about, but they are relaxed because we die to the old man that the spirit can be released. And trust me, you will get more done in a business meeting by communicating well than showing anger and throwing things. Do you think that might apply to the home too? We would expect us to be in control in a business meeting. We, <laughs> Bob's laughing at me down. We would expect it, wouldn't we, brother? Yeah. 
You know, you expect to, you know, if we have a disagreement, you know, I see it, it's, it's white, and over here somebody sees it as black, and another person sees it as red, you know, and we try to put all these minds together and try to come up to a conclusion, you, you would think it would go, like, really well. But it doesn't always. It's because somebody hasn't learned to die to self. Follow me. Folks, my preacher helped me years ago. He said, Carl, you take yourself way too serious. That helped me. I never forgot that. Because we do that. I take me too serious. If you don't see it my way, you're obviously wrong. <laughs> if you don't see it the exact same way, this is red, my friend, then you're wrong. And to, say, to think, it's hard to believe. But to think that I could be wrong about something? Oh, I couldn't be wrong. I prayed about it. You know? And, and sometimes we still get ourselves in the way, get the flesh in the way. And we try to make ourselves spiritual, but really it's all about me and what I want and my agenda. And that's called being self-willed. Self-willed, it means you haven't learned to die to self. So, I had a meeting about two weeks ago, had about five guys, four guys maybe in the meeting. And honestly, I went into this meeting, it was, it was a hard meeting. It had to do with missions. You know, we're trying to coordinate some things and get things underway. And just some, some you know, things were said, and it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't real sweet. And so we're bringing a, some guys together about all of this. And at the beginning of the meeting, I'm thinking, this is, this, this is going to end up with a, a division, if you will. And uh, so I'm going into it, thinking this way, this is the way it's going to turn out. It was amazing. An hour later... We came up with absolute unity, a simple conclusion. Somebody stepped up and said, I can help with this, and I will do this. Another person said, let me get out of the way. And by the time we were done, we were all smiling and walking out of this place, absolutely smiling. You know why? It wasn't about the individual. It was about the cause of Christ and what's best. And that's what we have to do. Listen, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4, the Spirit of God creates a unity in the way we work that is by the Spirit filling us with His fruit to perform it. As soon as we get into the flesh and our agendas, and oftentimes, folks, it has to do with pride, Oftentimes it has to do leaders with leaders because we, can't, we cannot allow others to be in control. We want to be in control instead of allowing others to be in. God wants to control us. Just like a drunk who is intoxicated, fully just filled with liquor, he cannot control his speech he cannot control his reactions. Proverbs tells us he begins to curse and use vulgar language. All of a sudden, he's looking at women. And all of a sudden, everything's out of control. It's interesting how he tells us that who has woes and sorrows, but that person that is long at the, at the liquor, the wine, the strong drink. Strong drink is raging. And whoever is deceived by, by this is not wise. All these proverbs about the, the alcoholic. 
And all of a sudden he says, you know, just like a dog returns to its vomit, the guy gets beat up, red eyes, has no idea what hit him, feels like a train just hit him last night. He gets up and says, let's do it again. And God says, yeah, it's just like a dog going back to his vomit again. How disgusting. Why would you do that? So God uses this alcohol that controls the individual, and as strong as that person thinks he is, he, oh, I can handle it, <laughs> I can handle it, I can handle it. Guess what? You can't handle it. You think you can handle it, but you're not handling it because the alcohol controls you. And so the result of this is God trying to say, now listen, you understand what a drunk looks like. Controls his being. Why don't you as a Christian instead be intoxicated with the Spirit of God? Why don't you allow the Spirit of God to come into you to control your very being to what you say? Your communication begins to change when you are controlled by the Spirit of God. You can function, you can act, you can react in life because life is full of curves. Life comes up with at these things like, I, what's going on? I, better I don't understand. I better slow down. Yeah, that's life. But if you're drunk, I can handle this corner, and you're dead. So instead, why don't we control by hitting the brakes, have self-control? It's because the Spirit of God is actually controlling you in what you do or do not do, allowing us to do everything, again, for the glory of God. By the way, it helps you too. Don't forget that. Yeah, the Spirit of God is trying to receive glory, but ultimately, uh, we are also encouraged by being controlled by the Spirit of God. So, that's what we need to do. Now, the Spirit of God, because of this control that He's trying to produce inside of us, what we have to do as Christians, as we've learned here, the word being filled or yield your mind to the Holy Spirit. That's what we have to do. Instead of us being closed mind to what God is trying to do in us, we open up our heart and mind and allow Him to feed us. We do this by reading His Bible, allowing Him to teach us through His Word. It is done through prayer. Now follow me. The Word of God is giving us instruction to correct us in actions, gives us wisdom, etc. Prayer has to do with you and I allowing God to change us. By the way, you always thought prayer was about you changing God's mind. That's what you've been all taught, right? It's like, God, you have to see it my way. I need, need, need that new car. You have to see it my way, God. You know, give it to me. And God's like, that may be the worst thing for you. All of a sudden, you stop and think, you know what? I might be lifted up with pride if I get that. I might, I might miss out on something that's a blessing. And all of a sudden, God begins to change your heart. A car might have been a silly illustration. But it's amazing how many things we come to God about thinking he's our puppet. If we say this in Jesus' name, then we're controlling God and he's got to do everything that we want him to do. And you, you're, you're wondering why your prayer life isn't going real good. Why don't you open up your mind and say, God, why don't you teach me as we're talking here today? Work inside of me. The spirit works inside of the spirit, affecting the mind, remember? As you allow or yield your heart and your mind to the spirit of God, you are to allow the Holy Spirit then to fill you. 
again, it's like the only way for us to be filled with the Spirit is if we can use a glass of water. I got one right here. I won't spill it though, Stan. I promise. I get a drink. See, right now, if I have this much opening for the Spirit of God, that's all he's going to get of me. But if I pour out myself and the cup is empty, then the Spirit of God is able to fill me. Many of us as Christians go through our lives filled with self. It's all about me. It's all about what I want, and I want the glory. You know, yes, I've done all this work, and look how great I am. And guess what? You're not allowing. You're not allowing the Spirit to control you. And that's why things are going bad, because it's all about you. It's not about you. It's not about Carl. It's about what God is trying to do. So if we empty self, then God can fill, meaning we are allowing him to control us. There's an illustration I want us to see in the Old Testament quickly. His name is Bezalel. Anything about Bezalel? Well, you will. Let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. And babies don't bother me. I love them. I have four of them. Don't worry about babies. Babies are fine. Exodus. Chapter 31. You'll see his name called in verse number 2, Bezalel. His purpose, verse number 3 and following. I have, this is God saying, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Wisdom in understanding and in knowledge in all manner of workmanship. Also, there are others that are also given this kind of wisdom as a result of the Spirit of God filling them. And you'll see at the last part of verse number 6, part B. Now notice, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. So what's going on in this text is Moses is on the mount getting the law. And he has chosen Bezalel. He says, I've filled him and these other men along with him to do a specific work. And that is basically to make the tabernacle. All the furniture, you know, the altar, the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, all of these things are made by this man. You know, one of the things that amazes me the most as I studied it is, is the lamp. Mesmerized with this, the lamp that was in the holy place. Made of a solid piece and he was able to beat it out and create it, and they would fill it with oil. It, it, I wish I could have seen that thing. Absolutely amazing. And all of the, the trims and the, the uh, almond, it's just amazing what this guy was able to do. In other words, if he said, here's, here's some you know, gold and, and here's some, uh, you know, some other materials, some minerals, and I want you to pound this baby out and make something look good out of it, it's not going to be pretty. Art Gary Bennett is not my strength, okay? And yet God had given them this ability. The same thing is seen over in chapter 35 in verse 31. And he has he hath filled him with the Spirit of God. So again, to be able to have the wisdom, and this we're dealing with Bezalel yet, and others that are surrounding him to do the work with the gold and the silver and the brass and all of this. And in verse 34, and he hath put in his heart that he may teach. Isn't that interesting? 
So Bezalel had the filling of the Spirit of God that he is able to do the work of God as God had commanded him, and then he's able to instruct. It gets even better. I love chapter 36. Need to be quick about this. The problem here is this. It's the usual problem that doesn't happen in the church. Bezalel is receiving the gold, brass, and all of these things from the Israelites. They're bringing it to him so that he can do the work. You have to have the material to be able to produce. So, verse number 2 in chapter 36. Moses called Bezalel and uh, Heliab, uh, and every wise-hearted man knows heart the Lord had put wisdom even every one whose heart stirred up, stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. I love that phrase. And they received Moses and all the offering which children of Israel had brought forth uh, for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that brought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work that, which they made. And they spake to Moses saying, you know, you, this is a holy huddle here. You have to understand. Moses, we got to pull you aside here. we got a problem. And you think, oh man, this is God's work. We're working together. Everything's going good. What could be the problem? Look at The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. Tell them to quit bringing the offerings. We have too much gold. We have too much brass. All of these things, there's too much. We don't need all of this. Even verse 6, the last part. So the people were restrained from bringing. They wanted to keep bringing it. This is like, but we want to do this. This is like, but we don't need any more. It'd be like next week saying, folks, we have too much money in the offering plate. Please just keep it. You don't hear that in churches very often, do you? Usually it's like, oh, we need my, we need my name is Jimmy, Jimmy, please gimme, gimme. You know? So sad. That's what churches are known for. You know, I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, the Spirit of God has filled him and there was fruit as a result of it. And the fruit was this. They took up the offering and it was more than enough, folks. When we are filled with the Spirit, we have more than we will ever use. Then when it comes to the work, it's not he working by himself, but working with others. When people are filled with the Spirit, they will work together for the cause. And they're not fighting and battling. Oh, you pounded that too much. Oh, look at that thing. You did it. You don't see any strife in any of these verses. It's an absolute working together in unison for the cause of glorifying, glorifying God. And so these men are working together, and the work is actually accomplished. The tabernacle worked. By the way, the whole way through to Solomon's day. That's like a long time. Folks, God wants to produce in us as a filling by his spirit to be able to serve him with the fruit of the spirit that we will work, work together, work to the accomplishment of something. We should have an aim. We should have a goal. Remember what it was all based on? The commandments of God. So God says, this is what you want to do, but you can't do it in the works of the flesh. You have to do it because of being filled with the Spirit. You have filled with the Spirit. I'm going to equip you, enable you to do this, give you more than you need, and you, you can do this. You can do this. 
kind of sounds like that Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Christian life is not that hard. We make it harder than it has to be. If we have a yielded, yielded mind and spirit to him, we are opening ourselves to the word, we understand what he wants us to do, the work will get done. Our work at this church is very simple. We are here, commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. You are here because somebody fulfilled the Great Commission. And if, if they didn't obey when they were talking to you, whether the preacher or an individual or the radio or wherever you heard, you know, Billy Graham or wherever you heard the gospel, and all of a sudden they're preaching to you about Jesus Christ, they fulfilled the Great Commission and you got saved. Pretty simple, isn't it? And then, just as Heidi did this morning, you baptized, and you began to learn the scriptures, and you began to grow, and then you got matured, and now all of a sudden it's your turn. Now you get to teach, and you get to help the next generation coming through, and then you get old, and all of a sudden you start watching the next generation that you've been teaching, like Kevin Cast. Tom, a lot of these guys were brought right up through Awana, and now here they are leading it. That's what it's about, folks. Because it's not about me. It's about me glorifying God, teaching the next generation, teaching them how to do it, and then we get out of the way and watch God. It's, it's awesome to watch God work. It is amazing to watch God work. Continually be being filled with the Spirit of God, and he will produce himself in you. And you will then begin to learn how to love. You will have joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Because there's no law that could ever be written against any of the above. Lord, bless the time in your word. We thank you for it. I pray, Spirit of God, that you will do the job now in our hearts. Lord, by nature, the old nature, we, we defy this. We go against it. We kind of have our lives figured out. But Lord, when we finally are broken of self and we yield our lives to you, that, Lord, is when we're going to be filled with your spirit and we're going to be used by you, for you. And Lord, there may be just one person this day that needed this and that it will revolutionize their life. Lord, may we listen to you. May we yield to you and do your work. Die to self so that we can be filled with the Spirit. Lord, this is a command you've given us. Walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.